These 10 laws of God are complete and total. Someone has said that all the laws of the land could be compressed into these 10 laws for life. That no one could conceive of an 11th commandment, really any law that man could conceive could be condensed or applied into one of these 10 areas that we've been covering. So God in his wisdom can say an awful lot in just 17 verses and leave us a law for life that will bless us and strengthen us and keep us from death and from destruction. We're dealing with truth. When we deal with truth, we deal with Jesus because he personifies truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so I'm sure that if I asked the general question this morning, how many would strive to be like Jesus, all your hands would be raised. Because you're here with that desire of heart. You want to be more like the Lord. We sing those choruses, make me more like thee, Jesus. Make me more like thee. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. He wants to answer that prayer. And in order to do that, we are never more like the Lord than when we are dealing with truth. Contrary to that, we are never more like the enemy when, than when we do not deal with truth. Jesus was talking to a very religious group of people in John chapter 8, and he said to them, Ye are of your father the devil who abode not in the truth. He is a liar from the beginning and the father of it. So Satan is a liar from the beginning and the father of the lie. So we have to make a choice what direction we want to go. Do we want to head in the direction of truth and the likeness of Christ or to deal with untruth and in so doing, uh, adopt our Father, who is the Father of all untruth, the Father of all lies. They come from Him. Some things about the Lord that never change. We sing the chorus, my God can do anything, anything. Well, that's true in a very limited sense or, or uncategorically stated because God can only do what's just like his nature or character, or equal to his nature or character. God cannot lie. Hebrews said it is impossible for God to lie. God can't change. We can depend on him for yesterday, for today, and forever. Hallelujah. There's something absolute in this world. The men who would just get at the Word of God or Jesus Christ, say, where do we turn? What do we hold on to? Well, I would recommend one thing, and you've got it in front of you. It's the Word of God. It doesn't change. God is unchangeable, and it is impossible for God to lie. If we want to be like the Lord, then we'll move in that direction, and the direction of truth. Oh, but pastor, I don't lie. I just stretch the truth. How many know the truth is not elastic? It does not stretch. It's not made of rubber. It's made of rock. Truth is 
absolute. It doesn't stretch. It cannot be elastic. It is absolute what it is. Two times two is always four. Those cannot be stretched into something else. It is absolutely what it is. And you can't change it. You see, that's why this book is absolute. He said, don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Because it stands as total truth. And so we need to guard the truth. You see, if we're liberal with, with the truth, that we feel we can speak evangelistically, you know, a little bit more than what's really there, and, and, and try to add a little bit to it, the facts of science will not allow for that. You see, if you have two parts of hydrogen and one part of oxygen and put them together, you have a delicious drink and you can be refreshed and satisfied and your life can be sustained by water, H2O. But if you have H2O2, you've got something else, just one more part of oxygen to that formula and you've got hydrogen peroxide. None of us would want to drink that. You see, you're just adding a little bit to it. But when you add a little bit to it, you don't have water anymore, you've got peroxide. You've got something totally different. And when you add something more to the truth, you don't have the truth anymore, you've got error. And so we don't add anything to the Word of God, it stands just the way it was written and inspired by the Word. And so we need to guard the truth. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. We deal with the truth just as it stands. It's not elastic, it's solid. Jesus is the most solid thing I know in all of this universe. So in science, it won't allow for that. In all of life, the laws of life do not allow for uh, for anything but being narrow-minded. You say, preacher, you're just too narrow-minded for me. Well, I think the only way to go is to deal with the truth and let it say what it says. Let the chips fall wherever they may and deal with the truth. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. We recognize already the source of all uh, falsehood. It comes from the devil. He is the father of it. The word devil means slanderer. And if we engage in slander, we engage in satanic activity. Because the devil, that word devil, means slanderer. We can see that activity from the first pages of Genesis as he's slandering God to man. And he's saying to Eve, hath God said? Did he really mean thou shalt surely die? Thou shalt not surely die. He's calling God a liar. Thou shalt not surely die. God knows in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like God. And he was slandering God to man. And he caused the curse to come upon a godly man because of slander. The very next time we see Satan in the Bible, he is slandering man to God. And he's saying as God is conversing with him, God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's not a man like him in the earth, a man who loves me and hates evil. And the devil said, sure, but does, does Job serve you for naught? You think he doesn't serve you because 
You've bought his affection. You've bought his allegiance. You've bought his worship. You've blessed him. You've given him everything. Sure, he worships you. Sure, he loves you. Sure, he serves you. You've given him everything. Why shouldn't he? Take those things away, and you'll find where his allegiance lies. And so God said, all right, let's see. See if I know what I'm talking about, or if you know what you're talking about. And you've read the book, haven't you? The devil was allowed to take certain things, but all oh, praise God for men like Job who came back even after he had lost those things and he fell before the Lord and worshiped him and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And he just made a liar out of the devil. Amen. The Lord hath given, the Lord hath taken away. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. And oh, I'm glad for men and women like Job who say, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. Not for the things you've done for me, but for who you are. The Lord of glory, the Lord of the universe. And I'm glad for his blessings but we would still love him and serve him if he never blessed us one more time because we recognize him to be the sovereign of the earth. He's the ruler, hallelujah, and we are servants of the most high God today. So he slandered man to God. We recognize that corruption came to a good man, Adam, because of slander. Criticism came to a godly man through slander, and crucifixion came to the God-man through slander. Matthew 26, 59. If you want to turn there with me, you can. Matthew chapter 26, verse 59. You recognize that when they tried Jesus, Pilate's declaration was, I find no fault in this Man, There was nothing that they could find at all in the life, teaching, or behavior of Jesus that was in error. And so they employed false witnesses, those who were hired to break the ninth commandment. And in so doing, they... Uh, produced the verdict of blasphemy that put Jesus on the cross. So it was specifically the breaking of this commandment we're talking about this morning in the time of trial that uh, sent Jesus to his death and to the cross. In the 26th chapter, verse 59, the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death, but found none, yet though many false witnesses came, they found none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow saith, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. The high priest arose and said, Answer thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? And Jesus held his peace. He would not dignify their lie. He had they had taken his words totally out of context, perverted them, made them say something he had not said at all. And false witnessing crucified 
the God-man. It corrupted a good man, criticized a godly man, and crucified the God-man. What we're talking about this morning is satanic. It is satanic. Slander is devilish. It is satanic. And we want to give no place to the devil. None whatsoever. We deal with truth. If you want to go back to Exodus chapter 23, just two chapters from our text, it embellishes just a little bit more. In the first verse, this particular truth, Exodus 23, 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report, but put thou not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not raise a false rumor, false report. You see, last week we talked to you about stealing, taking that which belonged to someone else. And at the end of that, we talked about repentance and the need for restoration or restitution, that it wasn't enough just to come and say, God, forgive me for taking what didn't belong to me, but if at all possible, to restore again to those that it had been, had been taken from. Very difficult to do that with this. Because once word has been spread, the damage has been done, the rumor has made its rounds, there's no way to pick up the pieces. There's no way really to adequately make restitution. Once that word has been said, it's out. And it's, it's impossible to go pick up all the feathers and to, to gather them up once they've been scattered to the winds. So we need to be very careful of the words that we speak. The Bible says, if a man offend not in word, that, saint, that man is a perfect man. Doesn't mean that he's sinlessly perfect. It means he shows some signs of maturity, shows some signs of having grown up and having matured in God. This area is so critical to our Christian lives that we need to pray with David. Lord, set a watch at my lips and help me, deliver me from a lying tongue. Let no false report be raised. Otherwise, put not thy hand with the wicked. Don't join hands with the devil to be an unrighteous witness. I'd rather have my hand in the hand of the man. Amen. Still the waters. Don't put your hand in the hand of the devil and walk with him in unrighteousness or in falsehood or truth. You say, but pastor, if I tell my parents what I really did, do you know what would happen? <laughs> there are consequences to truth, are there not? I mean, they would shut my TV down for a month. I wouldn't have telephone privileges for six months. I may be grounded for the rest of my life. Do you understand? I can't tell them where I was or what I did. I have to tell them something else. Hear me this morning. The consequences that your parents may, may bring to pass because you told them the truth can not be even mentioned in comparison to the consequences that God will bring if you tell a lie. You would be smart, not only spiritual, it's smart to tell the truth. 
Because at its worst, it cannot approach what will happen with the consequences of a lie. And generally, it takes a second one to cover up the first one, and then a third one to cover up the second one. And before you know it, it's become a way of life. And there may be some this morning who have, it's, it's, the, it's a horrible habit. You don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't cuss and there's some other things you might not do, but you have a real time of it trying to deal with the truth. And the Holy Spirit has brought us here to the hospital this morning to cut that thing apart and to set you free so that you don't have to walk around with the guilt and condemnation of untruth hanging over your head all the time. Oh, and then you're free for the blessing of God to flow through your soul. Hallelujah. I said on Thursday night, and I believe it with all my heart, when as we have dealt with God's laws, and we have considered the truth of God's word, and we have aligned ourselves with these ten laws, nothing can stand in the way of the most precious and powerful moving of God's Holy Spirit in this church body than we've ever seen in the history of this church. If we'll get our act straight, if we will live according to the laws of God, it will open the door for the wind of His Spirit to blow and to move through us as we have never seen Him move before. I believe we can expect the miraculous power of God. I believe He will draw men and women into a healthy body where they can grow up in love, where they will be taught and nurtured in the things of the Lord, and they will become healthy in Jesus Christ. It's a dangerous thing for an unhealthy woman to become pregnant. I think what God is trying to do is get the body ready so it can reproduce those who need to know Jesus Christ. We've got to deal with truth. We've got to deal with honesty. We've got to deal rightfully in worshiping God and ordering our lives according to his word. And I believe he'll bless us. I believe we can expect a moving of God in our midst. I want that, don't you? I want that. And I want God to break every chain regardless of what that is. I mentioned in the early service about a prayer list that had been, been typed for the service. Please pray for sister so-and-so who is going to the hospital for the removal of a rumor. Now she hit an R instead of a T. It should have been tumor. You can't remove a rumor surgically. I wish you could. I wish it were that simple that you could send someone to the hospital and have a, a rumor removed. You can do that with a tumor, but you can't do that with a rumor. You've got to deal different with that. God wants to set us free. You see, we don't tell a lie by the words we use. We tell a lie by the inference we give and the implication we leave. Sure. It's not just, you know, uh, being totally correct about the facts. Because we can present the facts in such a way that uh, that's not exactly the way it is at all. We can insinuate something that really isn't true. You see, in John chapter 8, that's what these religious people were doing. They were insinuating things about Jesus. And they were saying, we be not children of fornication. What was the implication? You are. We know who our father is. What's the implication? 
were not quite sure who your father was. And they really weren't quite sure. They didn't know who his father was. Amen? That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and they didn't know that. But by implication, by insinuation, there was a captain of the ship that had trouble with his first mate getting drunk. So he had warned him several times, and he said, now if it happens again, I'm going to have to enter it in the ship's log. He said, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about me. Warning's enough. I'll straighten up. Two days later, he was drunk again on the job. The captain saw him, and he said, now you know what I, I told you. I've got to carry through. And so he went to his cabin, opened the ship's log, and rode in there March 18th, uh, first mate, drunk on duty. So this really upset the first mate. He just had to do something to get back at his captain. And so when he left the captain, uh, left the cabin, he sneaked into the captain's quarters and found the ship's log a day or two later. And he opened it up to the right page and wrote down March 20th, captain is sober today. What's the implication? Captain is sober today. The implication was there were days the captain wasn't sober. Like the question, do you still beat your wife? Is it yes or no? And, you know, the implication is there. We don't lie by the words we use, but by the implication. And I know of some people, they have told me this. They said, you know, when, when, when a question is asked, is certain so here? And if I don't want to tell them they are, I plant my foot and I say, no, they are not here. Now, I'm not giving you a technique to try. That is not a recommendation. What I'm saying is that the facts may be right, but the implication is a lie. And sure, he is not here. He's in the next room watching TV. You see, we don't lie by the words we use. We lie by the, by the implication and by the impression that we leave. We want to leave them with the truth. That's not always convenient, but it's always the right thing to do. Thou shalt not bear false witness. We need to be truthful about our compliments. And I'm just going to give you the reference. Proverbs 26, 28, it talks about the, about the flatterer who speaks with oily words, words of butter, but whose, whose heart is filled with swords. You see, some people use other people by the words that they speak. And be careful about flattery. There's nothing wrong with sincere praise, but if it's flattery for flattery's sake, back off because they want to use you. There's a purpose for the flatterer. And so there's nothing wrong. I think we should give sincere praise, but we can lie too with flattery. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20, is a verse I want you to jot down. And if you go back over these and read them, is a good verse to refer to. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, the 20th verse.
For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envying, wrath, strife, backbiting, whisperers, swelling, tumults. That, that word whispering is breaking the spirit of the ninth commandment that we've been talking about. And uh, that which we would not want to say out loud uh, or in front, we whisper from one to another. That also breaks the spirit of this, ten, this ninth commandment. James 4.11 says, Speak no evil one of another, brethren. I think that's the spirit with which God is speaking to us. Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let me just give you the consequences of this. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, there are two statements that are made that really emphasize the importance of truthfulness in the eternal consequence of things. Parents can only influence time, but a lie influences us for eternity. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What a classification. This is not just a minor little habit problem we're dealing with here. This is something God considers serious enough that he lumps it all together with that catalog of things that are listed there. It is a serious matter to God. Revelation 21, 27, talking about the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It says specifically, verse 25, and the gates of it shall be shut, shall not be shut at all by night. Be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. In the same chapter, one shows the designation for eternity, and the other the elimination. To enter that place that Jesus prepared for us, nothing that maketh an abomination or that maketh a lie. Oh, I would dare say all of us at one time or another have not dealt honestly with the truth. That would, that would if it stood by itself, mean that all of us will be destined for hell. All of us would be excluded from that holy, holy city, the New Jerusalem, except for the blood. Hallelujah. Except for Calvary. Except for the washing except for the regeneration, except for the new birth, except for the Holy Spirit. We'd be lost without the cross. Oh, but we are washed. Hallelujah. But we are justified. But we are sanctified. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
can set us free from the law of sin and of death. If that law has been operating in your members this morning, I know that there's a, there's a higher law that can set you free and make you clean and free without guilt, without condemnation to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I think we need to give a clear and positive testimony. If false witnesses sent Jesus to the cross, then true witnesses ought to declare the glory of the cross. Amen. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Since it was a false witness that sent him to the cross, then we ought to stand up and be counted for the King of kings and the Lord of lords and not be ashamed of who he is and be related to him as our Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for the cleansing of Calvary. We've all needed that bathing and washing and cleansing. Lord, wherever you've touched on areas of need in our lives, help us not just to hear it and go our way and forget. But I pray, Lord, we would submit and surrender those areas to you. Lord, you said there are six things you hate. A proud look, a lying tongue, and two out of that six is a bearing of false witness. These things are an abomination in the sight of God. And I pray you'll help us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, that when fear comes, whatever motivation it is, when we struggle with what we'll say, help us to deal honestly and to deal with the truth. And if God hasn't spoken to us, then we have no right to say the Lord told me to do it. If the Holy Spirit has not really inspired this and we know he's told us to do it, we cannot say, we cannot lie and say, I feel the Lord is doing this. I'm impressed by him to do this. God, I pray that you'll help us to be honest and not hide behind anything. But Lord, we would be straightforward with the truth and walk straight and upright in the sight of God and the sight of men. Lord, where we need cleansing, I pray for the blood to be applied. Wash us today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Stand and let's make this prayer to God. Oh, to be like thee, close your eyes. Let it come right from your heart. Oh, to be like thee. Thank you, Jesus. 
We've always stated to you these nine weeks that in the negative, there's always the other side. God is saying, don't be a false witness. He's saying, be a true witness. So that's what we want to be. Be a true witness for Jesus Christ. If you're struggling with that, you need prayer. God has help for you today. If you're carrying a particularly heavy burden, don't take it home with you. The Lord has ordained a place. He said to us, cast all of your care on me. Maybe it's only the little burdens. You see, that word cast is bellico, which means we get our word ballistics. It's big enough to pick up and throw. It's those little things that are sometimes get the best of us. Don't carry those things. Don't say, well, I can solve this. I can handle this. Why don't you just cast it on him? Amen. Don't take it home with you. Leave it with Jesus in faith today. Maybe there's someone you need to pray for. This altar is a place to meet with God. He'll answer your prayer. We're going to sing that prayer again. If you'd like to come, just find your way and kneel at the altar today. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation for you. If you'll come, He won't turn you away. He'll come and open the door. He'll come in. You can experience the joy that you've seen on the faces of those that worshiped you this morning. You can have that peace and knowledge that you're right with God. Just come along with the others as they come. The Lord will receive you. Oh, to be like Amen. Go quietly, would you please? 